Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are in Rapid City, South Dakota, and we are in the home of Deb Watson. And on the couch, for those of you who are listening right now and not looking at the video, um, are it, on the couch is Deb and her sister, Jocelyn Haskell. Okay, so what is really interesting about this sister team is that they share a passion even though they go about it very differently. So, you know what, Deb, let's start with you. What is your passion? My passion is helping kids. I started out um, in Rapid City here at Girls Incorporated, which is an organization that helps girls. We help them educationally, recreationally, socially, uh, medically, whatever girls need to level the playing field. I've been involved in that. Okay. And I've been on their board for 30 years, and I guess that's probably you know, I, I do family law, so I really like to help kids and families, and that's what I do is work with them to solve their problems and kind of build a bridge to a better place. Now, how long have you been a lawyer? 38 years. Wow, okay. And, and All of my adult life. Right, and we were talking about all the different types of things that you do in family law because I don't think people are very familiar with, with everything that entails. And family law involves adoptions, um, termination of parental rights, um, handling abuse and neglect cases, it involves divorces, custody, child support, guardianships, sort of the whole realm of problems that families may encounter and things that lawyers can do to help solve those problems. Okay, and Jocelyn, yes. talk to us about what your passion is. My passion is improving the quality of lives um, for people with developmental disabilities. Um, I've worked in this field since most of my adult life, probably about 30 years, um, and I assist people to find jobs in the community um, with daily living supports and helping them be a part of the community. Um, there was a time when, they, when people were just institutionalized and it's my goal for people to actually be a part of the community and to be happy in their lives and to be successful. Can you give us a picture of what somebody who's going through this might look like, like a specific example, obviously, without giving us somebody's name, mm -hmm. but what this looks like for you? Well, we have a wide range of people that we support, and we support adults. Um, some are um, use wheelchairs, quadriplegics, um, some, some have cerebral palsy, um, some have autism. We have a wide range of supports and some have um, mild mental retardation or developmental disabilities. Um, so a wide range of things that we do with them, assisting them to find jobs, do job coaching with them, um, just assisting them in their daily lives, cooking, um, cleaning, 
any kind of supports that they might need. We also assist students in schools if they need help, that kind of support. Um, just a wide range of supports for people. But basically, it's to have them have friends in the community and to be part of society instead of put away in an institution. So I'm really surprised about how you both came to serving in the way that you do. What do you think, Deb? What do you think brought this about for the two of you? Well, I think one of the things that created it for me was um, growing up, I wanted to do something different, um, something that, you know, something in the man's world that women weren't doing typically. And so when I went into law school, there were just a few of us in law school. There weren't many women. It was just sort of, we were pretty much pioneers in the field. And then when I came out to Rapid City, there were only a handful of women in private practice. So again, we were pioneers in the field. And so I think it was important for me to help other women and starting out as young girls so that they can learn um, to have the skills that they need to be successful in life. So I need to, needed to let them know that they can be whatever they need to be, whatever they want to be. And, and like Josie, you know, I help people be happy. I help them solve the problems in their lives so they can be happy again. Can you think of a specific person or a specific young girl that you've helped along the way and what she's doing now? Oh, I've helped thousands, really. Um, probably the most help I have I've given, I think, is for women who are battered. You know, sometimes they come into my office, their husband may have held a gun to their head or beaten them up and they're bloody and they've got black eyes and bruised all over. And, and I help them realize that they have potential, that they're a good person, that they're their own person and that they're strong and that they can be um, a, a successful woman. I mean, because they've been so beaten down that they don't even realize their own potential. In fact, I had one case where this woman um, had been so beaten up by her husband, um, he never let her leave the house. He kept her in the basement. Um, she had her babies in the home. One baby died and he just left the baby there. He never let her see the doctor, isolated her from the family. And at the trial I said, isn't it true that you never let her out of the basement. And he said, oh no, I let her out in the backyard once. It was just the most saddest thing you can imagine. And, and he was mentally ill, but his mental illness had carried over to her, so she became mentally ill because his reality became her reality. And so um, they found out about the children in the home. The children, you know, he, he wouldn't let her get groceries and bottles and diapers and so. Somebody found out about that, and the Department of Social Services got involved, and the children got removed temporarily, and the judge um, assigned me to her because he thought she needed a strong role model. And when I first met her, she didn't show any emotion. I mean, she was just totally numb. And I was able to work with her and help her realize how important she was and what a good person she was, reconnected her with her family, um, got her children back, and of course, he went to jail. Um, but it, it was a really good experience, and now her children are grown and having children of their own, and so that was really nice to see. What kind of challenges do you have in this role? Like that you had to overcome in order to do this. You may have to do, overcome this every day in order to do this. I don't know. I think probably the hardest thing is it's so emotional. 
when people are going through divorce or custody, they come into the office and they're probably one of two things. They're either crying or angry. And you're dealing with the things that are most important to them, their children, um, their business, their home, their property, everything that they've ever had in their life. And they have to figure out a way to um, divide the property, um, figure out how you can keep the farm or the business. So really um, what, what I need to do is, is determine what's important to the family, what's important to the husband, what's important to the wife. And keep, you know, the children are their target, what's important to them and then figure out how you can kind of put that puzzle together so that everybody can move on in life and, and be happy. Like Josie said, I mean, she helps the disabled attain happiness. I help people who are going through struggles in life try to find happiness again. What do you think you've learned about yourself through doing this? Mm, I guess I've learned how important it is to balance my work life with my home life because um, it's real emotional at work. I mean, you go through 10 hours a day dealing with people's emotions and then you have to um, put that aside and come home and live a normal life because if you carried all of their problems home, I mean, you wouldn't have a life. And so I think I learned that. Um, and I guess I also learned how blessed I was sometimes you can sit down with someone and they you know they'll tell you um, their business is struggling their wife has a mental illness um, they just went through bankruptcy you know they had a baby that died and it, it just i mean they just put all of these problems on my desk and i'm thinking you know i'm so glad i'm here to help you but you know i feel so blessed that you know i'm not experiencing all those awful things you know it's but I'm glad. I, I, I just want to help them. And so I'm glad that I'm able to be in a position um, to do that. So Jocelyn, then for you, I mean, you, your roles are so different and similar. It's really pretty amazing. Right. What do you think that you find most challenging in your role, helping senior citizens and people who are handicapped and, you know, the elderly in the way that you do? Your question is interesting because so many people say to me, you must, you're, you have to be so special to work in that field. And it's like, I don't feel special at all. I feel like honored that I can work with these folks and help them to have a better life. So um, I don't, the people that I support aren't, aren't challenging to me. That's, it's, it's so rewarding. And I, I can't even imagine my life without that reward. Um, they give me unconditional love every day. When I go to work and I see them, they always greet me with a smile. They want to hug me. They, they care about me. Um, the most challenging part of my job is the staffing that I have to deal with and making sure that I have dependable staff, um, staff that are caring, staff that are going to provide the supports that, that the people need. Um, but actually working with the folks is the most rewarding thing I can ever imagine doing. I love the people I work with. And that's the kind of challenges that I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, you never know what the challenges right. will be. And you know, for my audience right now, listening to the two of you, they either could be in roles similar to yours or want to be. So to hear the support that you're able to give out and how much meaning is in your lives 
that's how you're helping my audience right now. Because some people, you know, they're looking at their lives and saying, my life is missing the emotional connection. You know, mm -hmm. my life is missing the meaning. For other people, they're missing excitement or adventure. But for the people you're connecting with, it's like they know there's more to life and they're not doing it. You know, or they are and they're listening to you two right now and they're saying, yes, I, I speak your language. Mm -hmm. So Jocelyn, what do you think you've learned about yourself through these years working with the people that you do? Oh gosh, that's a hard question. Um, I think I've learned that life isn't about me or necessarily my happiness. Life is about how can I help others to have happiness and through their happiness I find my happiness, I think. Um, so um, it's so important to me to work with a purpose and I think that there's so many people that their jobs are jobs, their paychecks, they go every day, come home every day. My job is purposeful, and that's what I love about it, is that I know that I make a difference in people's lives, and I feel so good about that every day. You know, I think the two of you share that. Like, you know what your purposes are, and you're doing it. And I believe that it's not a role that we play, but a feeling that we get, mm -hmm. which you two are discussing over and over and giving us great, great images of what that truly means. And so for you to live this life full of purpose. Do you think that that you grew into that idea, that, that people have to mature into that idea? Because I know for myself, you know, I'm 48 years old, right? And, and I didn't get this. You two get it in the way that I understand it. And so I'm sitting here wondering, when did you get it? Did you always know it? Or did you come later to realize that you got happiness from other people's happiness? that living a life of purpose and meaning was was everything for you. When do you think that happened? Deb, when do you think that I happened? I think I always had it. I mean, we grew up in a loving family with a mom and dad who, um, we just knew they unconditionally loved us. And they, you know, when, as I indicated, when I grew up, I didn't even know any lawyers. You know, there weren't any lawyers in town. But my dad said to me that I can be whatever I wanted to be. And when my dad said that, I knew that it was true. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I decided I wanted to be a lawyer, and so I was. But I could not have done it if my dad hadn't said, you know, girls can be whatever girls want to be. They don't have to, um, you know, at that time, you know, women were mostly secretaries, nurses, or teachers. And I just wanted to do something different. And dad said I could. And so um, I did, and I, um, started out, I went to the Supreme Court for a year and worked there, which is kind of traditional. You do an internship first. And then I came out here to Rapid City and started in a law firm for 10 years and then went out on my own and hung out my shingle. I didn't start out to do family law. It just kind of found me. I just had lots of people coming to me with their problems. And I found that I really enjoyed trying to solve them, trying to help them, you know, as I indicated, just kind of build a bridge to a happier life. And it was. You know, you feel honored that they come to you and share their most innermost problems. You and know, they're in such a desperate time. They're probably the most desperate that they've ever been in their lives they when are. they get to you. They are. You know, they're either really angry or really sad. And you know, scared. once in a while you see couples come in and, you know, they realize that they just weren't meant to be and just decide to disagree. and. 
go away friends and really that's what family law is about it's not about winning it's about figuring out um, how you can help this family um, get to a better place what about you Jocelyn do you think you always knew this or is it something you grew into I agree with Deb I think my dad is my hero he's always been my hero he's so loving and his love was always unconditional and he always told us we could do whatever we wanted to do you know be who we are and um, but when I got the start in this field, I didn't know anything about people with disabilities, really. I didn't grow up with anybody with disabilities. Um, so when I got the start in this field, I started as a business secretary. Um, and it wasn't long until I moved into case management, which was overseeing the supports of people with disabilities. Um, once I started, it became my life. I'm so drawn to it, and I've been... Um, in several different cities in a different state and always been drawn to this field. So I, I think I grew into it. So for people, for people out there who want to create more meaningful lives, what do you think, Deb, what do you think they should envision their life to look like? What should it look like? They have to live their dream. Find out what you like to do and then do it. Everybody teases me that um, my job is my hobby, that's my fun. And, and my daughter says that um, mom's idea of retirement is only working six days a week. So it's finding what you love to do and, and then doing it. Do you agree with that, Jocelyn? 100%. Yes. Yep. So to explore it, I mean, what if people don't really know where they fit in just yet? How can they explore this for themselves? What do you think, Jocelyn? I think you just have to look for your passion. What are you passionate about? What is important to you? kind of dreams do you have, and then follow that. Exactly, figure out what you like to do, and then do it. So to execute a plan, what can they go do right now today? What do you think a first step would be? To brainstorm, to think about, you know, what's important in my life, what's fun, what do I enjoy doing? And then how can I turn that into a job, or a career, or a profession? What do you think, Jocelyn? I agree. You have to have fun, and, and your job is what you make it. You have to have laughter every day in your life. So I, th I think that whatever you're passionate about, you need, to, you need to go find it and then do it. Live your dreams. So closing advice for everybody. Deb, what do you think you could share with them for a final thought? Well, I guess what I would leave with you, um, and your audience is to do what makes you happy. And I think one of the things that you can do um, is interact with friends and family because they really are what bring you happiness. Well, I can tell by your relationship, you guys interact pretty frequently and you both make each other happy. So. I love have her, having her in town. It's <laughs> been great. great. Yeah. When fun. did you move back in town, Jocelyn? Five years ago. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so what's your final thought? My final thought is, um, I agree with what Deb says, you need to find what makes you happy and go after it. And I love your motivate me, Thank because you. I think what motivates you is what is important in life. So find what motivates you and just go do it and be happy doing it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, 
or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful. You can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh.